0: You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Amen. Well, it's so good to see you. I ask you to please take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 5. And we're looking again at, at Paul's explanation to the church in Galatia and now to us by the Holy Spirit, what radical grace really means in our lives and if you've been with us for a while, you know that Paul's been battling legalism here in these churches. And now I know you're going to be heartbroken over what I'm about to share. But today, Paul doesn't talk about legalism anymore. And I know you're going to be upset with him because sermon after sermon after sermon, Paul has been going after these legalistic tendencies. And last week, my wife and I were talking and she was just like, you know, are you, gonna, are you almost done talking about legalism? Almost, it's been great, you know, but every week, like, I'm like, we're getting to the part now where Paul, he's done talking about legalism and now he's gonna to talk to us about the other danger we face too. Because we don't want to, while we don't wanna veer into legalism, we also, we don't want to veer into license, to the, to the other ditch on the other side. God wants us to know See, license is that other side where we know, well, I, know, I mean, I'll sin and that's fine because I know grace is going to clean it up. Paul's like, no, 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 that, that's not what grace is meant to do in our lives. God wants us to know what it means to live by the Spirit and not the law, which is legalism, and to live by the Spirit and not flesh, which is license. To help us actually see the function and fruit of radical grace in our lives. So as we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. And we'll begin in Galatians 5, 13, and we'll read to the end. And our brother Paul tells us by the Holy Spirit, for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us now. Help me preach, because apart from the Spirit, this would be a monumental waste of time. And Lord, help the church listen with the ears of faith, because Without the Spirit's help, this will be empty. Holy Spirit, would you move among us now in a way that would make my Southern Baptist roots uncomfortable? That would be an obvious working among us that we're just not accustomed to. That we've never really experienced or have seen in our own hearts and in the church, so help us, King Jesus, by Your Spirit now. And it's in Your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I I hope you can help me get my sermon started now, because I really wonder: Do people still use leashes on their kids at the mall <laughs> or at Disney World? I feel like they do, but not as much. I feel like for a while there, they were everywhere. But now you hardly see them. Now there's just kids running around everywhere. Crazy kids just taking over places. You know, it, and I think why they're not as popular is because we are a pendulum people. We went from like this heavy leash generation, and now we're like a free range generation. Like organic chickens, they're just running around everywhere. Because we are people of extremes, and not just humans or Americans, but Christians too. We swing from one issue to another without any nuance or understanding. We just react. Like, like Christians, people who were coming Christians in the 70s and 80s, they went from just enjoying Led Zeppelin every now and then to burning all their records. Pendulum. But guys, listen, sometimes you can overcorrect and really wreck the car. what Paul is telling the Galatians here is to avoid the pendulum swing. Don't go from legalism, oh, oh, I'm going to go all the way to license. No, avoid the pendulum. Look at verse 13. If you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, and this reminds us of Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. Now he wants to tell them about this freedom, a word of warning, a little caution here about your freedom. Verse 13, you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity, as a pretext, as an excuse for the flesh. Don't exploit your freedom. Don't abuse your freedom. Don't give your flesh those sinful desires a free pass in the name of grace. And you see this a lot in churches, especially people coming out of legalism, coming out of a legalistic church or a legalistic youth group. They, they get out of there and they rev their engines from zero to 100 in six months, and all of a sudden they're in all kinds of sins. That's not the message of grace. And we know the pendulum goes the other way too. It also goes from license to legalism. People coming out of wild backgrounds are growing up in a difficult situation. They react to their past instead of God's word and get uber-legalistic. Legal, uber Brothers and sisters, don't react to your past whether it was legalism or license, react to the spirit, to the gospel, react to grace, react to Jesus, and see that this freedom that you have in Christ, what it's for. It's not for chasing your inhibitions because you know grace abounds. You know what? It's amazing that Paul says in Romans, in Romans six, he says, should we continue to, should we just sin more knowing that grace abounds? He says, no, may it never be. Notice he doesn't say, don't do that because grace won't abound if you do that. No, grace will abound, but that's not the point. The point is that's not how new people in Christ live. So what is our freedom meant for? Look at 13. So don't use it as an opportunity to sin, to do whatever you want, and just know, hey, grace is gonna cover it. What do I care? No, rather, but serve one another through love. Your freedom doesn't terminate on you. It's to serve others. Beloved, you aren't free in Christ, so you can install a kegerator in your garage. You're free in Christ, so you can install one in one of your pastor's garage to serve one another. <laughs> You're free to love one another, free to serve each other. And th- there's a big difference here because sometimes we can serve out of a motive. Oh, I gotta do this. I gotta get on God's good side. Oh man, if I'm gonna be a really good Christian, I, I gotta serve and I-, I gotta go and be a part of that small group and I gotta read my Bible and all that stuff. Listen, Paul says, no, you serve one another through love, not to try to be more righteous before God, not to try to be better than others, but because you are free in Christ, but because you've been declared not guilty by the cross and empty tomb of Jesus, now you can freely love one another. And I've seen this here at Redeemer when one of our families was heavily affected by Hurricane Harvey. No one was obligated to give them any money. No one was pressured or put under compulsion and no one was held back because, man, I got a tithe and you know I got all this other stuff going on. But because of your freedom in Christ, you served one another through love. This is what radical grace does. Radical grace makes us radical servants to one another. Verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. All 613 commandments in the Old Testament, Paul says, I can give you one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. And remember the Galatians desperately want to keep the law. Desperately thinking it's going to make them righteous. And Paul says, oh yeah, you really want to keep the law? Let me tell you what the whole law is about. It's about loving your neighbor as yourself. Our freedom in Christ is for this, to love one another as you love yourself. Now don't start thinking what we often do. This is exactly what my wife needs to hear. Don't do that. Slap yourself if you need to do that. Get that out of your mind. And don't start thinking, I hope my lazy, my lazy husband is listening. He needs to hear this. No, no, listen. God's talking to you. Lo- you love your neighbor as yourself. This is what your freedom in Christ is for. As you want your spouse to love you, you love them. Regardless of the response. It isn't, there's no asterisk unless, you know, they're not loving you or they're mean or they're unkind or hold a grudge. No. As you want your kids to love you, you love them. Now, this is the whole dynamic now of the Christian life, of small groups and Bible reading and serving in the kids' ministry, not out of guilt, not out of compulsion. I'm going to pray for you just because I have to. No. Serving through love. I've been free to love. Avoid the pendulum. Verse 15. Look, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you'll be consumed by one another. Brothers and sisters, your freedom is not an isolationist freedom. You against the world, king of the hill, you against all others. It's whoever gets in your way, they're going to get steamrolled. Freedom is not a steamroller. And Paul warns us against attacking each other. Paul warns you from taking cues from the walking dead. Do not bite and devour one another. If we aren't together, we'll tear each other apart. This, this verse we're here, verse 15, this is what is happening in the background of every church split and every major church fight. Biting and devouring one another instead of serving one another through love. They bite, devour, scratch, claw. And before you know it, there's just a church carcass lying on the ground. We must land on love. Not swinging from license to legalism and not swinging from legalism to license, but from license to love. Love for God and love for one another. And from legalism to love. Love for God and love for one another. And that, that's really the key here, is to see that the love for one another in a local church, in the body of Christ, and the love for God, means that something supernatural is happening in our life to help us avoid going solo and to go with the Spirit. Look at verse 16. So see Paul's resolution to how not to abuse his freedom. Verse 16. So I say then, walk by the Spirit walk by the Spirit. Guys, I think one of the reasons we get in so many messes is that we really rely on ourselves. Our American independence, while a great thing for a country, is not a reality in Christianity. It's a great thing for a country, but it's not a reality in Christianity. We are free, but we are not independent. We are free in Christ, but we are not independent from Christ. We are not independent of God and his word and his ways. He is our Lord. We're to be led by him. And this going solo in the Christian life, just me, myself, and I, that being your own trinity, will get you into trouble. Paul tells us how to avoid the flesh, legalism and license, and how to serve one another through love by getting really charismatic with the Spirit. Not in these wild displays of kind of what seems to be spiritual, but maybe not really embarking at all. Not that kind of charismatic stuff. But with the Spirit. And listen, it seems like, hear me, anytime theologically conservative Christians start talking about the Holy Spirit, it just seems like we might as well be talking about quantum mechanics or the latest episode of The Bachelor. One seems, it seems way above our heads, and the other one seems like, who really cares? Like, does it matter? Sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit and we're, it's, just, we're so, it's so foreign to us. And other times it seems like, I don't know, I mean, I'm just going to read my Bible, it's going to be fine. But listen, beloved, the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he is personally involved in your everyday life, everyday life. See, sometimes we only think about the Holy Spirit when we're reading our Bibles and we're trying to understand a difficult section. How much of that is really happening in a week? An hour, if we're being generous for a week? That's all we're gonna rely on the Spirit is for an hour a week? Or sometimes we think about the Holy Spirit when we're going through a really challenging situation in our life. Maybe we think about the Holy Spirit when we're praying. Listen, an amazing reality of your life in Christ is that you have the supernatural power of the Almighty God at work in you Every single day and every single moment, right now, this moment, right now, the Holy Spirit is working in my lackluster, lame preaching. And you're listening. The Holy Spirit is working. And, and you're holding that Bible today and tomorrow. The Holy Spirit is working. And when you're singing and when you're gonna hold the Lord's Supper here in a few moments, that little scrap of cracker, that little cup of juice, the Holy Spirit is bringing megaton glory into your heart and life. When an opportunity to do a good work comes up, to encourage a fellow believer, to to respond in love, the Holy Spirit is gently tugging, saying you should do that. That's not your own inclination. That's not, yeah, I should pray for them. That is the Holy Spirit at work in you because that would never come from you. When temptations come up and you feel, I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should go this way. The Holy Spirit is pulling you because that would never come from you. I mean, look at the insights Paul gives us about the Holy Spirit dynamic in our lives. Look at verse 16. He says, walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, live by the Spirit. Verse 25 again, keep in step with the Spirit. You see how much it is about the Spirit in our life? Everyday stuff, walking, living, leading, keeping up, responding to the Spirit. How does it happen? Verse 16. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. You walk by the Spirit, you won't do the things your sinful urges desperately want to do. Why? Verse 17. For the flesh, that sinful nature, those urges, desires what is against the Spirit. And the Spirit desires which is against the flesh. They are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. They want nothing to do with each other. If we are walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, the flesh looks bland, disgusting. And then we just realize it's going in the opposite direction. If I'm leaving Bush Intercontinental Airport and I'll, the Spirit's taking me to New York, that, the Spirit's flying that way. The flesh, I can see, it's, it's going to L.A., I can't go to LA. I can't take that flight and act like I'm being led by the Spirit. The Spirit wants to go west. The, the flesh wants to go east. The, the Spirit wants to go forward. The flesh wants to go backward. The flesh wants to go north. The, the, the Spirit wants to go south. The Spirit wants to go up. The flesh wants to go down. They, don't, they, they are opposed to each other in every single way. The flesh opposes the Spirit, those, those inclinations from God. The flesh wants to keep you from doing what you want, to live by the Spirit. Now look at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. You don't take your cue for the Christian life from the law, but from the Spirit. And I love these word pictures here. Okay, think about them. Walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. You see this dynamic every day in your life. The word walk in the Bible, guys, is a a metaphor for the entire life. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You walk by faith. You walk in the light. You walk in love. This is a great picture for the Christian life. Because to walk is your, the Christian life is walking with Christ in his kingdom toward the new earth, calling people to join in. That's the entire Christian life. Walking forward in his kingdom towards the new earth and inviting people to join in. So for us to walk by the Spirit means the Spirit is the fuel, the protein, the Gatorade, the trainer. But since we're all not athletes, let's use a different metaphor. You hear people say stuff like this Oh, don't talk to me until I have my coffee. <laughs> this day is brought to you by coffee. C is for coffee. <laughs> it's getting me up, it's getting me going, I, or, or I'm ready, I mean, or the paper, the news. We all have all these kinds of routines. We live by coffee, we live by the Spirit. The Spirit gives us the cues leads us, gets us ready, gets us going. Is that true for you? How often do we stop and do we pray and do we ask even wonder, is this what the Holy Spirit would want me to do? One of the most frequent questions I ask when I'm counseling or meeting with somebody, it's like, do you really think the Holy Spirit is leading you to do that? Is this action, this response, this emotion, is that by the Holy Spirit? Or is that old-fashioned me, the me that's gotten me into a lot of trouble before? Think about the word led, to be led by the Spirit. Friends, you can learn a valuable lesson in leadership and being led when you go on a hike in the jungles in Northern Thailand. We were on a mission trip a few years ago and we're on a hike in Northern Thailand and we lost the trail. So this is not good. This is like pre-cell phone days too. No trail, no idea where we're going. And, this, oh, they told us before we left. Oh, by the way, there is one tiger in this jungle somewhere. There are some, some mating elephants, so watch out. Okay, great. Why are we doing this? This is the last hike I ever went on too, I think. We lost the trail. Kevin has no idea where the trail is. Amy doesn't know where the trail is. I, of course, have no idea where the trail is, but Natalie. She took the mantle of leadership. Follow me, I know where we're going. Hours go by. And let's just say there are medical records somewhere in Thailand with Kevin's name and mine showing Natalie did not know the way. But we followed her blindly. There's no question. All right, let's go. We're just led. Fine, I'll follow your steps. But beloved, listen, the Spirit never loses the trail. We respond to the leadership of the Holy Spirit using the Word of God, lighting up the path for us like Google Maps does. You want to go somewhere? I I don't know, get there, give me the address. Boom, boom, boom. We take out our phones. Show me the path, oh, wise one. We don't question it. Unless you're like really arrogant. I don't know if that's the best route. I mean, I would do that. It's Google. It just leads us and we go. Turn left, turn left off on Hirschfield. Turn right on access 249. Get on 249 South. Exit Luetta Road. Go left on Luetta Road. Your destination, Torchy Tacos, is on the right. We just go. (laughs) But when it comes to the Spirit, are we even thinking, is this where and how the Holy Spirit wants me to go? This is how the Holy Spirit would have me react. I think if we took our accumulative averages of things, we accumulated all these things, I think we would find we probably seek out Siri more than we seek out the Spirit. So how do we walk by the Spirit? How do we live by the Spirit? How do we get led by the Spirit? It really is as obvious as that blue line in Google Maps and fruit on a tree. Now, when Paul talks about being led by the Spirit, here's what he's not talking about. He's not talking about, should I take this job or that job? Should I buy this house or that house? That's usually, and see, that's just our nature. Like we only think about seeking the Spirit's will and guidance when it's these big decisions. But listen, the Holy Spirit cares about your road rage. The Holy Spirit cares about your attitude towards servers at restaurants. The Holy Spirit cares about your covering board, also known as Pinterest. And here's Paul's point, that if you know Jesus, You know you've been crucified with him. You know your sins have been paid for by him. And you know that he rose again from the dead for you. You know and trust Jesus and all that he's done and that he came back to life on Easter Sunday and you've been forgiven for all your works of the flesh. You've been freed. We respond accordingly. We don't just give Jesus a hat tip and go, I'll see you on the other side. No, we walk with him, being led by him. So maybe you must ask yourself, do I really know Jesus? Do I know? I mean, sure, I know he exists, but do I know his death for me? Do I know his forgiveness that he offers? And do I know his resurrection? And do I know the promise of eternal life? If, if, if not, you can know it today. You can trust him today. But if you do know him, church, you are now free to turn from sin to turn from the works of the flesh, to turn from legalism, to turn from license, and to turn to Christ, because you belong to Christ. So we live it. And this is where the Spirit takes us, verse 19. So if we're gonna be led by the Spirit, walked by the Spirit, this is where we don't go, the works of the flesh, verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Friends, the works of the flesh, this is, this is that sinful nature, the, the default mode we have outside of Christ. And we don't need to go through every one, each. Just, here's what this means. They're fairly obvious. And some of, they're pretty self-explanatory, too. But you know what's not always obvious to us? What's not always obvious to us is the nature of this list and what's on this list. The fact that jealousy and selfish ambition are in the same line as sorcery and promiscuity. See, American Christians, we baptize our selfish ambition sometimes. And we dress it up thinking it's a great thing. Sometimes it can be a godly ambition, A loving your neighbor as your self-ambition. But Paul says, no, selfish ambition is just as satanic as idolatry, drunkenness, envy. Remember, Paul's putting these things here because the Galatians, they're swinging the pendulum from legalism. Okay, we're going to get into license. We're free. Paul says, no, 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 no. You can't do that. And I think that's why maybe he mentions dissensions and factions. These sound like similar, okay? Division and, and what? Well, there may already be a fracture in the church that some are in the legalism camp, some are in the license camp. Now, dissensions are just when there's a falling out in relationships, but it doesn't go public. It's just still still kept inside. Factions are when there's a falling out and there's teeth and clenched fist. Factions are when there's a falling out in a relationship and then there's a recruitment office. Join my side, join my side then you've got envy, drunkenness, all kinds of sexual sins are mentioned. It was like one of the most prominent sins in the early church. Chaos, hurt, disappointment. Listen, the Spirit wants to pull you away from these things. And listen, if you felt an ounce of conviction when we read these, any of them, don't run away from that. Don't run away from that. That is the loving action of the Holy Spirit to show it to you. And he's saying, now, come to me. Come come to me. you, you, You saw the word hate, and you're hating somebody. Come to me, and we'll get you out of that. You saw envy. You saw drunkenness. You saw sexual immorality. Come to me. He's pointing us to Jesus who says, come to me, all who are worn out and burdened by life, and I will give you rest. Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. The Holy Spirit's pulling you away. And look, when Paul adds there at the end in verse 21, right there in the middle, at the beginning, and anything similar, Paul's like, look, we could go on forever. You know this is true. You see the news. You see your own life. Paul's like, I could go on and on. And if you thought when we read this, oh, Paul didn't mention this. I'm good. Paul's like, no, you're not. You just busted yourself. The Spirit just busted you. Oh, this too? Yeah. What, what about this? Uh-huh. And it, it, put your hands down. All of it. Anything similar. And here's why Paul brings this up. Look at in the end of 21. I am warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a massive warning label. I don't know if you've ever seen the warning labels on cigarettes around the world. They're incredible. The ones in the US are embarrassing. Tiny, you need like a magnifying glass to to read them. But you go around the world, some of these cigarette boxes and big letter type, you could read it across the store. We'll kill you. Wow. Giant warning. But you know what? People don't care. They don't don't heed the warning. They keep going. Paul gives them a giant warning label. You keep doing these things. You keep practicing, unrepentant, unswerving, never turning around. Paul says, do not think the kingdom of God is yours. And some people hear that and go, oh, yeah, right. Paul says, exactly my point. But other people hear that and go, whoa, I should not be doing these things then. That's the work of the Spirit. You keep practicing, unrepented, ongoing, no desire to get away from these things, Paul says the kingdom's not yours. And this isn't about an occasional, oh, I, I did it again and I hate that I do that. This is not about I battle. Paul's not talking about if you're battling these sins, you're in trouble. No, that, battling is a good thing. Paul says if you practice these things, I'm trying to get better at them. Ongoing unswerving, that's not the way of the Spirit. Radical grace calls us away from these into this, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, I I never noticed until yesterday that it is a contrast. Because when I think fruit of the Spirit, I always start with the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. I forget, but the fruit, it's a contrast. Because listen, guys, the works of the flesh, that's what we make on our own. Calvin talks about our hearts being an idol factory. And the widgets that we make out of our idol factory is this list of the works of the flesh. That's what we produce. On our own, this is the widgets we're turning out. But the fruit of the Spirit, we don't produce that. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's God's work in us. The the works of the flesh, that's us. The fruit of the Spirit, that's God at work in us. The produce that He produces And I just want to take a moment to praise the Lord that it's the fruit of the Spirit and not the veggies of the Spirit. (laughs) Because we understand the sweetness of fruit. Kids, I mean, you put broccoli or a little cutie. I mean, what's better, raw fruit, raw broccoli? Duh, raw fruit, always. And the fruit of the Spirit brings about the the life in Christ brings about a kind of enjoyment and a sweetness and a delight because these are the contours of Christ himself. Listen to the fruits of the Spirit, love. Love is first because God is love. Jesus is loving. The Spirit brings love and grows love in us. Love for God, love for neighbor, love for others, and then joy, joy in that we're saved, we've been redeemed, and just joy in life. This enjoying God's world, enjoying his blessing to us, and patience, kindness, goodness, peace. These are the attributes that the Spirit of Christ brings out in us. And some of us have a naturally higher disposition, or like you're just more naturally kind or naturally gentle. That's not what Paul's talking about. These are now otherworldly, from another dimension, from God Himself. God's work in your life, not just what you learn from, not what you learn from Granny. Not what Antietam taught you. From God. And gentleness, you know, that's one thing I hope that the Spirit brings out in me, that I'm more and more gentle. You now, as a preacher and a pastor and a you know, Christian, you, you got to be a bulldog with the truth and always be tenacious with the truth. But the Spirit's teaching me not everything is a street fight. Wounded Christians don't need a bulldog. And this is the good news about fruit too. I don't want you to be discouraged. Because sometimes you can read this and be like, "Oh man, oh boy, I'm a lot more that works of the flesh than I am." That may be true, and God's growing you though. The analogy of fruit that I love here is that fruit is slow growth; it's gradual, but it's guaranteed. It will happen. The problem with the fruit of the Spirit for us is that we go into H-E-B and think, oh, this is what the Christian life looks like. There's fruit everywhere. Wrong. That's prosperity gospel. Don't believe that. It's lies. When you want to think of spiritual fruit, you think of the, not the shelving system filled with bananas and vats of watermelons. Don't think of that. You think of the little Charlie Brown lime tree in my backyard. This thing is unimpressive. I'm surprised our lawn guy just hasn't mowed it over. So tiny, so tiny. So frail. I'm worried the wind's just gonna rip it up. It has one lime, and two. It took forever. Still a lime tree, though. Still growing fruit. It's no less a lime tree than the biggest ones in wherever they grow limes. I don't know. <laughs> Should have looked that up. It, wherever. <laughs> that little dinky lime tree is just as much a lime tree. It's there's evidence. It's alive. But then the freeze came. We did put a trash bag on it. I left the trash bag on too long. (laughs) Had a hard season. And we go through hard seasons too. But it's still there. It bounced back. And by the Spirit, we bounce back. You go through hard seasons where you're like, man, I have so much fruit is there. And then, oh man, am I even saved? You know that unsafe people don't wonder if they're saved? The fruits of the Spirit are evidences of radical grace. Just look back over your life and do you see evidences of, of growth in these? Love for others, people that used to annoy you that you wanted nothing to do with and how you gravitate towards them. More patience. Having patience over spilled milk. Having kindness towards those coworkers. Self-control. I love Scotty Smith on Twitter, and he talks about these signs that you're growing in grace. He's got hundreds of them. He just tweets, sign you're growing in grace, a sign you're growing in grace. I'll read you a couple. A sign you're growing in grace. Your gospel is bigger, your gripes fewer, your generosity freer, your laugh louder. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all right there. Another sign you're growing in grace, you're growing less defensive and more compassionate. A sign you're growing in grace, you don't sample 12 flavors of gelato while holding up a growing line behind you. <laughs> Loving your neighbor as yourself is what you call that. <laughs> and a sign you're growing in grace, it doesn't take long, it doesn't take as long to tell your wife she was right. We want to walk in these fruits of love and joy and peace and patience to be led by the spirit in them. So, how? Okay, it's great. Okay, yeah, I want to walk by the Spirit. I want to live by the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to keep in step with the Spirit. How in the world do I do that? Cultivate the fruit. You got to cultivate it. Live them. So the Spirit does the work. But listen, he says, you walk, you live, you be led. Keep in step. There is action we must take. I think you do it. It starts with a simple prayer. Spirit, help me to be led by you. It is an admission and a relinquishing of your independence. Spirit, I want to be led by you. Lead me. Guide me. Smack me. We belong to Jesus. Live it. He's the vine. We are the branches. Without him, we cannot bear much fruit. This is the crucified and risen Christ at work in us. Look at verse 24. Now those who belong to Christ, this is us. This is Christians. If you belong to Christ... You have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is not the same as Galatians 2.20 that says, I've been crucified with Christ. So I've died with Christ. I, I'm with him now. This is I'm crucified with, I crucify my sinful desires, passions, works of the flesh. And that so we see that sin and now we pick up a hammer. We pick up a bucket of iron spikes and we nail it to a cross. See that sin, it's dying, it has no power over me. It's powerless. And listen just, just as fruit grows slowly and gradually, but is guaranteed with God, crucifixion is a slow death, a gradual death, a guaranteed death. So do not be surprised that it's taking a while for some sins to die. Crucifixion is a slow death, but it is guaranteed. Don't lose hope in your battle with your sins. That's why Jesus says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Crucify those desires daily. It looks like knowing that Jesus is Lord, knowing he saved me, knowing he's risen from the dead, knowing he's returning from me, it is now crucifying these sins knows when anger pops up, you're turning from anger. And when you're turning from anger, you're dragging it out to Golgotha saying, not today. You're turning from anger, but not just turning from anger and going, okay, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be angry. Not, no, that doesn't work. You turn from anger to, Holy Spirit, help me be patient. Just a quick, just a quick prayer, to change your life. Holy Spirit, help me be patient. I'm trusting the Spirit that you will bring this fruit out in me. I, I can't self generate it, but, but you can bring this fruit out in me. And you gotta believe it. You know, little kids and their faith is amazing. You remember being a little kid and eating an apple seed and being scared? (laughs) Oh man, the apple tree's gonna grow in me. That's knowing the power of a little seed. So if you know the power of the Spirit, He's gonna bring it about in me. It's turning from lust and toward faithfulness. Spirit, help me be faithful. I know you're at work in me. Faithfulness is coming. And it's not just the negative thing. It's also turning towards good. When when a coworker needs help, you go with kindness. The Spirit's motivating and fueling kindness. When a brother or sister is hurting in Christ, you go and give an ear because of gentleness. And as Paul says, keep in here in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit's doing? The Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I want to go. I, I'm ready. Let's go. Come on. Are, are you coming? I'm, like, whenever you want to leave your house, your kids are taking forever. Oliver's really good at this. He starts walking so slow. Like, man, this is Guinness World Record type stuff. And I'm like, come on, buddy. Let's go. I'm going, man. Keep up. I'm coming. I got to find my Mickey. I'm coming. I'm like, dude, I'm going. And I grab my keys, jingling them. No, no, no. Wait for me. Wait for me. I open the door. I'm still there. Slam it. No. I'm like, I'm still here. Let's go. The Spirit is telling us, come on. I'm going to make much of Jesus. I'm going to honor him. You want to come along? Or you want to keep wallowing in the flesh? Come with me. Let's go. I want to cultivate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous self-control in you. Just let's go. It's like kids at the mall with that leash. They're calling their kid refusing, dragging, all of a sudden they just become dead weight, I can't move and they're just on the ground. That's us sometimes. And I must confess, I was a leash kid. My mom was in the first service. She said, you were, you were bad. You'd take off running in the mall and be like, he's gone. Me and my cousin would get together, we would hide in these clothes and in these like carousels of clothes, we'd hide from them. We'd rip all the tags off of clothes, thinking hilarious. it's hilarious. She's like, I gotta get you on a leash. She's like, I don't care if you're scarred. I just don't wanna lose you. That was training me for the Christian life. We are yoked to Jesus. You are leashed to Christ. And the spirit is saying, come on, just let's go. Let's make much of Jesus. Let's, let's love your neighbor as yourself today. That's what he wants to bring you. Keep in step with the Spirit. That's what radical grace brings. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.